Hi, this is Ellie Fishman, and welcome to our latest podcast. And this one's going to be on the acute abdomen, focusing on some of the GU causes. And this is a talk I gave a couple weeks ago. And actually, um, I've given many talks over time on acute abdomen, haven't done many recently, and I really haven't focused on GU applications. And that's what I'm going to do in this talk. Now, just from some numbers, we know in the ER setting, uh, abdominal pain is the most common cause for an ER visit overall and second most common in patients over age 15, with chest pain being the most common in an older age group. We know abdominal pain accounts for over 8 million of the 119 million ER visits each year. And when we think about acute abdominal pain, we think about appendicitis, we think about diverticulitis, we think about pancreatitis, which are all GI complications. But we also need to think about things like pyelonephritis, renal infarct, stone disease, obviously, and things that involve the bladder and the ureter. Now, we've spoken before about protocols in the kidneys, and I won't spend a lot of time doing that. Again, there's a difference between doing an ER study where the requisition is rule out anything versus a dedicated kidney study. And dedicated kidney studies, you typically are doing multiple phases from non-contrast through early and late phase imaging. And depending on patient's age, in the clinical history, we'll do either a non-contrast followed by arterial and delayed or arterial venous and delayed. And we've talked about that before, and I'll cover some points a bit later, but this is the ER setting, so often you may only have one phase. When we're giving, doing the studies, we typically, when doing a kidney-only study, we're using water as a contrast agent, we're using IV, obviously, injecting before four to five cc's a second for about 100 to 120 cc's of non-ionic contrast. I mentioned in terms of protocols, the non-contrasts are typically through the kidney only. Younger patients particularly will do the early phase or cortical medullary phase just through the kidney, nephrographic phase similarly, and then excretory phase through the whole kidney. will always in dedicated renal examinations have at least two phases, early and late, because as we've spoken about, with only one of those phases, it's very easy to miss things. We typically use the thinner collimation, Slice thickness 0.75 every 0.5. So let's look at some of the things we look at in terms of GU. And adrenal gland is one of the things that's in the GU track. And so we talk about the normal adrenal glands and we've lectured about nice thin limbs and there is variation from left to right, but the limbs are typically thin. And you also, if you think about it, the adrenals do enhance to some degree in all cases, but it's not very significant enhancement. Remember, we think about a nodule that enhances, then we think about pheochromocytoma, but normal adrenals do enhance, but you can see not very much. So if the adrenals do enhance substantially, as in this case, something is going on. And when you look carefully in this patient, there's very bright adrenals, there's a flat IVC, this patient is post-trauma. You can see the patient has had major abdominal injury with all the bowel rupturing outside the abdomen. This patient's hypovolemic, this patient's in shock. So that patient or this patient, if you see very bright adrenal glands, you've got to be thinking about patients being hypotensive hypovolemic. Most commonly, it's in the trauma setting, the prior case, in this case, of both trauma, you see the pneumothorax here, see blood in the abdomen. 
But we've seen it in patients with contrast reactions. We've seen it in patients from the intensive care unit who are just in general doing poorly. So very bright adrenal enhancement, normal size adrenals, patient is hypotensive. It is a potential emergency. So something good to think about. Now, in sticking with the adrenals, adrenal hemorrhage is one of the other acute processes. Typically, high attenuation and non-contrast CT can be unilateral or bilateral. Uh, in time, adrenal hemorrhage can calcify as either thin limbs or as a mass with rim calcification. Adrenal hemorrhage is more common in women than men. Now, I mentioned it can be unilateral or bilateral. Most cases are unilateral. Uh, when it's bilateral, it's particularly important because those patients can become Addisonian and develop adrenal insufficiency. The challenge with adrenal hemorrhage, it's typically not something that makes it to our requisition. Uh, it's a difficult diagnosis, can be confused with myocardial infarction or sepsis or an acute abdomen. So it's something, unless you're really thinking about it, you can't suggest. And most of the time, my experience is the radiologist who makes the initial diagnosis. When we look at cause of adrenal hemorrhage, the one we think about most is patients on anticoagulant therapy like Coumadin, though underlying tumors primary metastatic can present with acute hemorrhage, hypercoagulability states, stress, trauma, and infection are all possibilities. A good article in press, adrenal hemorrhage is really suspected clinically, exhibits no specific clinical symptoms or lab findings, and yet is immediately life-threatening when bilateral. Recognition of adrenal hematomas is complicated by the variable appearance of these lesions. Could not have said it better than that myself. So what are the variable appearances? It's high density and it's round. Good example of a patient post-trauma with hepatic resection. Unilateral, it's typically not going to be a problem. It may also, as in this case, only involve one limb. Often it's not that bright, but you see the high density and you see stranding around the adrenal. This is a wonderful example of adrenal hemorrhage, but it's unilateral. This patient had a meningioma resected, was doing poorly. Nobody can figure out why. The CT scan was done to look for a source of sepsis. Well, really what the patient had was bilateral adrenal hemorrhage. They're round, they're hazy, they're high density. This was the cause of the patient's symptoms. The patient was in Addisonian crisis. If the diagnosis was not made, this patient would have died. Or another example of bilateral adrenal hemorrhage. So again, unilateral, important, bilateral, life-threatening. Now, sometimes the cause only is shown later on. And what I mean by that is this is not a small hemorrhage. This is a big hemorrhage. This patient presented with acute cholecystitis. You can understand why. Well, in this patient, when you got a chest x-ray, the patient had a mass in the lung, and this was metastatic lung cancer to the adrenal, which presented with a spontaneous bleed. So at times, metastasis and at times primary tumors can spontaneously bleed. So something indeed very important. So adrenal hemorrhage is one of those causes of an acute abdomen and something you do need to think about. As I mentioned, when hemorrhages resolve, they may have rim calcification like this. We talk about calcified adrenals. We think about neuroblastoma, adrenal carcinoma, myelolipoma, but rim-like calcifications, occasionally in renal cyst, when it's really chunky, you better think about, uh, as in this case, an old adrenal hematoma. The key thing to recognize it is to not do extra evaluation of this patient. So that's really what we think about the adrenal. Adrenal tumors can present sometimes with back pain. That typically is adrenal carcinoma when you have bone metastasis. That could present as an acute abdomen. But 
that's not really in the focus of what I'm thinking about today. Okay, now for the kidney, polynephritis, common diagnosis. Is CT the study of choice? The answer is no, but CT is often done because polynephritis is often a very uh, unsuspected diagnosis. Presentation, classically, chills and fever, dysuria, flank pain, microscopic hematuria, pyuria, bacteria, are all possible clinical presentations. And on imaging, what you typically see, alterations in renal contour, changes in enhancement, typically decreased, alterations in the parenchymal appearance, decreased contrast excretion or delayed contrast excretion, and peri- and paranephric abnormalities. Now, if you think about the best phase for polynephritis, at the end of the day, the single best phase is excretory phase imaging. All the work by Bosniak on striated nephrograms is based on IVPs, is based on excretory phase. So you see in this case, bilateral patchy areas of decreased enhancement, some striations, and here's another image of that case. Look at the left kidney worse than the right, but that's classic example of striated nephrograms, patchy enhancement, axial and coronal, very classic for polynephritis. Now in many cases, as in this one, if you do have early phase imaging, you can see, particularly in the left kidney, some changes. The kidney's large, the intensity of the cortical major interface is not there, and then these patchy, low-density changes in the left kidney are all good for polynephritis. But occasionally, I've seen cases where it's very easy to miss, and even in retrospect, almost impossible to see acute polynephritis in early phase imaging. So if you only could get one phase, I'd recommend getting the late phase. And you can see it very nicely through this example. Yes, the coronals do help you. Yes, the left kidney is enlarged. And yes, there is patchy enhancement. But it is a bit subtle or relatively subtle compared to the excretory phase imaging. And it's an important thing to remember, and we talk about this in the ER setting especially, that a non-contrast study is wonderful of the kidneys for ruling out stone disease 99% of the time, but in many things it misses. It can miss small renal tumors, which don't distort the outline. It can miss, as I showed you, polynephritis, and it can miss vascular pathology. Another example, patient, transplant kidney, flank pain and fever. Well, the kidney's a bit prominent, but you don't see obstruction, really no stranding of note, but look what happens in our arterial phase imaging. Look at the beautiful patchy enhancement of the cortical medullary interface, classic for acute polynephritis. Here it is in a coronal perspective, classic, classic, classic. And when you go toward excretory phase imaging, now you see the patchy enhancement, and in fact, it's better defined. So again, early phase, if you look carefully, widen the window. It's not as good as delayed phase, but if that's all you have, usually it's good enough to make the diagnosis. Another point, non-contrast CT, look at the right kidney. Not very impressive, but look at it centrally. Not very impressive. Look at the coronal. Not very impressive. Look at IV contrast. Oh my goodness, very impressive. Look at the size of that renal AV malformation. You totally miss that on the non-contrast CT. Important thing to remember, renal artery aneurysms, vasculitis, AV malformations are all going to be missed without contrast material. They can be the cause of the patient's flank pain. If patient has flank pain and you want to rule out a stone, I see no problem doing a non-contrast CT, your classic stone protocol. 
But if the stone protocol is negative and you have hematuria, you have flank pain, you better go further. Make sure there's no vascular abnormality. That's why we scan early. Uh, make certain there is nothing going on that can explain the patient's symptoms. And again, a non-contrast CT scan is not going to give you enough information. Now, I mentioned about expiratory phase imaging on polynephritis, but there are many things where expiratory phase imaging is ideal. Tran detection of transitional cell carcinomas, uh, sometimes perfusion changes, and at times just looking at how lesions behave over a sequence. But look at this nice example here. Here's a great case. This is delayed phase imaging. This patient had a CT scan a few hours ago is now having another study for a different reason. You can see normal excretion of contrast by the left kidney. And look at the trap contrast, sort of striated in the tubules of the patient's right kidney. That's a classic appearance of a patient who has polynephritis with trapping. The kidney's larger, it's not as dense, but it's this trapping. Here it is in the coronal view. Just an excellent finding. If you see it, know what's going on. Now, in terms of infection, most patients who have infection truthfully don't need imaging. Surely don't need CT, but other patients do. And the issue tends to be there are often complications of what's going on. So, for example, polynephritis can occasionally progress to abscess and extend beyond the renal capsule. Now, there are usually other findings, obstruction, diabetes, those patients are at higher risk, patients are immunosuppressed, IV drug abuse are all possibilities. And then what do you see? Low density mass, often cystic, thickening of gerotis fascia, perinephric extension, and these can be single or they can be multiple, and they can be unilateral, and they can be bilateral. Just a wonderful example. Could this be a cystic renal cell carcinoma? The patient's febrile, but you can see a cystic lesion with rim enhancement and some stranding. Here it is in a coronal display, hypodense around it. Yes, this could be you know, a cystic renal cell, but with a fever, you gotta be thinking something else. Here it is on delayed phase imaging, but again, it could be a cystic renal cell. Uh, put a catheter in there, that was an abscess. Okay, it can be very tricky. Another example, same thing. Look at the left kidney, there's a mass there, and with contrast, there's still a mass, it's low density, but maybe it's necrotic tumor. Maybe it's a papillary renal cell carcinoma. You give IV contrast, the kidney enhances, but that hypodense zone is still there. Patient's febrile a bit. You gotta be thinking about an abscess, but can you rule out tumor 100%? The answer is no. There is overlap, and this case is really good for making that point, but clinical history, age of patient, all of things become critical, and this was indeed a renal abscess, okay? So it can be very, very tricky. Another example, look at this case. Cystic mass, left kidney, but you see that little bit of nodularity in the cyst? That was a renal cell carcinoma. Or this case, here's a complex cyst with septations. So again, abscesses are cystic lesions, but it's not every cystic lesion. History is important and other findings. Now, of course, if you want to stretch things out to the worst degree, XGP, xanthogranulomas polynephritis, is something we, th we think about. I just saw a case this morning, actually. By the time I put it in the lecture, you're talking about large staghorn calculus commonly and classically extends beyond the kidney, often involving the psoas, really a psoas muscle. We wrote an article about that about 1,000 years ago, but that was one of the things that was never picked up on IVPs, the psoas component, and was very common on CT. 
The other severe infection is emphyseminous polynephritis, and that's something we talk about emphyseminous cholecystitis, air in the gallbladder wall or lumen, emphyseminous cystitis, typically air in the wall, but also lumen, and emphyseminous polynephritis, more common in diabetics, more commonly due to E. coli infection, massive destruction of the kidney, there's no viable kidney present, this patient needs emergency surgery, and once surgery is done, this patient will get a nephrectomy. So again, a very, very important point. Very, very good diagnosis, something very easy to look at, uh, and again, the right diagnosis can be made. Now, there are a number of other things, and let me just finish off with renal vein thrombosis. Renal vein thrombosis can be seen in patients with infection. We probably see renal vein thrombosis most in patients with renal cell carcinoma, but nephrotic syndrome, hypercoagulability states, polythythema vera, and trauma are all possibilities. And what you typically see is the thrombus in the vein. If it's early, there are a few collaterals. If it's chronic, there are lots of collaterals present. The kidney early may be large and late may be small. The differentiation of cortex and malaria, uh, med medulla is delayed. This thickening of the renal fascia. There are many signs which actually at times suggest infection. Beautiful example here, large left kidney. There's some striations from a prior contrast study. And there is the thrombus, renal vein into IVC. Just a beautiful example. Another case. Right renal vein thrombosis, not into the IVC. There are some collaterals present. The longer the renal vein thrombosis is present, the more collaterals you develop. You can occlude the renal vein and uh, supply things uh, through uh, collaterals, uh, gonadal vein, and the like. So indeed, it's something to be aware of. Now, there are other topics in terms of, uh, we think about the uh, vascular components, and one would be renal infarct. But I'll tell you what we do. We're kind of running out of time here. Why don't we take a break and then we'll come back and discuss renal infarcts. And with that, see you in a bit.